What's up, YouTube family? Welcome to the Link Up Church online experience. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Before we jump into today's video, we wanna remind you that this channel isn't just for adults. We have content for babies in the Little Linkland section, kids in the Linked Up Kids section, and relevant services for your teenagers from the plug. So grab the whole family because we're about to get started. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss a video from us. And don't forget to share this video with someone who needs to hear an encouraging message. Let's jump in. Faith Lives Part 4. Faith Lives Part 4. While we were doing that, I just want to go back. It's not in your outline today, uh, but I just want to go back to Go Forwards. We talked about a true living faith is an active relationship with God. It's not faith if there's no relationship with God. I don't know how we try to appropriate things without a relationship with God. So we said that early on the very first week. That relationship with God should govern at all times who we are, what we do, and how we behave. The relationship with God should do that. Faith is not a belief in theological facts. Faith is belief in a person and what he has provided for us. The grace of God that brings salvation, listen to this, will always produce a righteous behavior and response on our part. Yep. If it's God's grace, it's going to produce a right response on our part. That was part of our intro in weeks one and two. I just wanted to go back and reiterate that to everyone. We've talked about four times, it's mentioned in Scripture, that the just shall live by faith. We need to pay attention. Anytime God says something four times, we need to pay extreme attention to that. I want to go back and revisit some definitions because they'll help you better understand the information for today. We talked about what is the meaning of the just shall live by faith. The term just means righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. There's nothing you can do to make yourself righteous. This is something he does for you. An individual whose personality by definition and behavior are acceptable to God. That's really all it is. The individual's personality and behavior are acceptable to God. Even while you're growing, it does not take away the fact that he made you righteous. That's right. That's right. It's a legal judicial term meaning declared innocent. That word live there in the just shall live by faith means to be, to think, to speak, and to act. So in other words, I think a certain way, I speak a certain way, and I act a certain way. The term faith means love for, always seeking, reliance on, hope in, obedience to, and trust in God, the Greek word pistis. So the just shall live by faith can be read this way or defined this way. The individual whose personality and behavior are acceptable to God thinks, speaks, and acts as one who loves, seeks, relies on, hopes in, obeys, and trusts God. Now, let's go back to our foundation text, one of them, Romans chapter 1, and let's read verses 16 and 17. This is in your outline for today. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed. That means I feel no shame about what it is that I believe. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel there means good news. But notice, it's the good news of Christ. So really, the gospel is a message about Christ. 
You're not preaching the gospel if Christ is not involved in it. That's right. Christ is the gospel. We can read that even further. For it is the power, the miraculous ability. So we can literally say that Christ is the power of God. Christ is the miraculous ability of God to salvation. Salvation there is soteria, rescue, believe, deliver, safety, health, and wholeness. So I want to be real clear today. All of that is in your salvation package. I don't have to believe God for provision because he already gave it to me in Christ. That's right. Is that clear? I don't have to follow seven steps in a poem to get God to heal me. That's right. That's it's right. in the salvation package. It's almost disrespectful to God to try to get him to do something that he already has done for me. Okay, I just want to be real clear. Now, right. so for everyone who believes to the Jew first and then to the Greek or those that are without Christ. Then verse 17, for in it the gospel or the good news about Christ is the righteousness of God revealed. So in Christ, notice his righteousness is revealed. Then we go from what's called faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, we talked about on last week, one of the most common questions we're really both asked is, what do I need to do to receive the blessings of God? And it's usually followed up by this explanation. I've been praying, reading my Bible, going to church, paying my tithes, yet I don't seem to get my prayers answered or where's my husband or where's my wife or where's my job, right? And, and really, people are upset. They're burnt out trying to do all of this stuff to get God to do something. So in that question and explanation lies the root of the problem. So people get so burnt out that way that they say, okay, I'll just do it myself, right? And now you're really over in the works because now you've replaced God with you, which is very dangerous. Yep. So one of the most, so in that question and explanation lies the root of the problem. They have fallen in the into the trap of linking God's response to their performance. They have not properly understood the relationship between grace and faith. And I won't go back through all of that, but remember, grace is God's part. Faith is your part. Yeah. Our job is to put our faith in what God has already provided for us. Yeah. So I want to make sure that that is extremely clear. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm just going to read verses 8 and 9, and I'll read both of those out of the New King James Version. It says, for by grace you have been saved. It does not say by faith you have been saved. It says, for by grace you have been saved. Now, I want to go real slow because it's going to set up everything that we need to talk about today. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So, in other words, in order for you to get saved, you had to believe in what God provided for you through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how every single one of us got saved. That's right. That had nothing to do with us. Nope. The only thing we had to do was believe in what he provided for us. Right. And we're saved. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. That he provided over 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago. And none of us question that. Right. That same principle is true in every single area of your life. The same way that you got saved is the same way that you manifest everything else in your life. Amen. You literally put your faith in what he's already provided for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. And that includes everything that you will ever need in this life and the next life. So it says here, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, real clear. It is the gift of God. Somebody ought to thank God right now for that gift. 
I said somebody ought to thank God right now for the gift of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Then it reiterates again, not of works, not of your efforts, lest anyone should boast. Now, if you'll listen to people over time, you know, I, I can go back. I've been in full time, 26 years. People always talked about what they did to get God to do something. I gave this and God did that. How many know God didn't do that because they gave that? Hello. I, I need somebody to help me in here today. Right, right, and you always hear this boasting on, I, you know, this big gift I gave, and then this manifested. No, man, listen, listen. Well, 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 God. What I would say is that yes, because it takes participation right. to activate. But it was God had already made already the provision. Provided. It was our faith in the act that put us in position to receive it. God had already done what he was going to do. But when we go ahead and sow that seed, when we go ahead and obey him and speak into that person, when we go ahead and, 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 and love our enemies and bless those that despisefully use us, we put ourselves in position to be with boldness and confidence to receive what's already been provided. See, the block is not what God has or has, what you may believe God has or has not done. The block is our ability to receive. Yeah. So it's really putting it backwards, right? When I say I gave this and God did that, it's backwards, right? What we should say is God did this and I responded this way. Whether or not that manifested or not. Is everybody clear on that? All you, everyone that wants to get married out there, I believe God had already provided a wife for me. So my response was to get yeah, out of yeah, my parents, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. to get out of my parents' house, get my own house, right? That was my response to begin to prepare for her, right? Get out of my parents' house, save up my money, demonstrate that I could successfully uh, uh, take care of myself. And all God said was, "Man, this guy has so much confidence that I'm going to provide him my best." Man, based off of the, the, the preparation, I've got to give him the best that I have. Amen. And she shows up naturally. Never forget, it's the richness of your preparation that manifests his glory in your life. If you prepare for nothing, you receive nothing. Mm. The preparation is a response by faith to what I believe he's already provided for me. All right, I want to get you right in your pocket. Watch so, out, watch so, so out. So sometimes we read a passage from Scripture that's so familiar, we don't really stop to think about what it's actually saying. But a profound truth is being declared. It says we are saved by grace through faith. There's nothing greater God can do for us than give us eternal life. I, I don't know, a car is not greater than eternal life. That's right. A spouse is not greater than eternal life. A house. A billion dollars is not greater than eternal life. That's right. I don't care about none of that stuff. Eternal life is the greatest gift that God can give us, and he said he gave us that by grace. So if he gave us eternal life by grace, why wouldn't he give us everything else yes, by grace? That's right. That's right. Right. Why would he say you got to do something other than believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to get me to do something for you? Why would it be one way for salvation and something different for everything else? That would be God playing games with us. That's right. So think of it this way. Again, grace is what God does. Faith is what you do. It takes both of them working together 
to manifest God's glory That's in your life. That's right. It's not either or. So now here I come talking about seven truths, seven truths that, uh, that uh, pertain to grace and faith. And we talked about last week, number one, sin is not the problem. Sin is not the problem. Listen to me when I, listen here. Sin is not the problem. And we talked about what sin was, missing the mark to err, to, to morally fail, violations, trespass. The reality is we do something that misses God's perfect will on, uh, just about every day, if not every hour. So sin is not the problem. God is not withholding a blessing from you or fulfilling a promise in your life because of some sin. Acts chapter 16 is where we were reading on last week. And again, I encourage you to go back. I'm not going to spend as much time as I did last week on this first part. And there was just some prophetic words that were spoken that I don't even remember what they were. But Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 25, it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Mind you, in your darkest hour, that's the time to get down on your knees. When you've done everything that you can do, when you've, done, when, when you've prayed as much as you can pray, you fast as much as you can fast, it's not in what you did any old way. But sometimes it just takes tapping into that faith which says, Father, I just thank you for you are good even in the midst of this mess. You are good in the midst of a pandemic. You are good in the midst of financial turmoil. You are good in the midst of political chaos. You are good right now while we're virtually schooling our children. You are good in the midst of jobs going virtual. You are good when church's doors are, are closed. Just praising him when it seems to be the darkest. And it goes on to say, suddenly, Suddenly, and a lot of times in, in messages past, we parked on suddenly. But I, want, I, want, I dare you to look at this. It says there was a great earthquake. What? We look at suddenly and see the blessing, but mind you, the blessing came through chaos. It came through an earthquake. None of us would be too pleased about getting our blessing by way of an earthquake. <laughs> yeah. But the earthquake came and was necessary in that. I'm not saying bad things are necessary, but it's sometimes the bad things that happen or the not-so-pleasant things that happen that are the doorway to your breakthrough. It'll all work together. It'll all work. He said it in his word that he uses all things to work together for the good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And it says it was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to commit suicide. It said he was about to kill himself. Now, this is where we picked up. Verse 28, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not do yourself no harm for we are all here. Now think about this. Prisoners, there's multiple prisoners there. And all the doors and all the chains were loosed. I don't know what happened, but I know if I was a fellow prisoner of Paul, I would have probably busted up and left. <laughs> I would have made haste and ran off. But the power of God stilled all that were there for this one man, I believe. And it says, then he called for a light. The, uh, the prison guard ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Mind you, he knew exactly was, uh, who was responsible for what had just happened. 
Good. And he brought this, not like he knew everybody's voice, but he knew exactly, he could identify it by spirit, exactly who was responsible and who to go to. Listen, when people are in need, when people are in dire straits, they see light. That's right. Even when they don't want to, they see light. That's right. So don't be surprised when someone just ups and calls you and just decides to say hi. And you get into a deep conversation. They recognize light. They might have talked about you. They might have defamed you. They might have tried to do something detrimental to you. But at the end of the day, when life wears them down, they know where to go for some light. And then it says here, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, you and your household. You and your household. You and that unsaved spouse. You and that reckless teenager. You and whoever else, maybe grandma who's living with you. You and grandpa who's still trying to act like a rolling stone. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then they spoke a word from the Lord of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them and said that the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Then now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his households. Now, mind you, Acts 16 verses 30 and 31, it doesn't make it deep. When the man, when the prison guard came to Paul and Silas and he said, what must I do to be saved? What the, the, the things, the events of his life, I don't believe it was just the earthquake and the threat of the prisoners leaving. I think there were events in his life, the witness of Jesus Christ, the presence, his presence during the crucifixion, and all the things that happened that led to this point where he says, what must I do to be saved? Because the ordinary person would have been like, what must I do to get up out of here so that they don't come up after me? <laughs> and so he comes, and then Paul and Silas, they don't make it deep. They don't make it about a bunch of getting your, get your life together. They're not even preaching to him. They simply answered, simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, mind you, that word believe. Hold on, though. So I, I just want to. So when he asked them the question, what must I do? When he asked Paul the question, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to go back Kojic on you, right? <clears throat> right there, we would probably say repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Confess your faults. Get out of that bad relationship you're in. Come on, somebody. Stop shacking up. We would immediately start talking about the sin that the people are involved in. Paul did not acknowledge anything at all. He just simply said, believe on the name of the Son of Jesus, and you will be saved. Yes, and that word believe is loaded. Because, see, when you believe something, you adapt to it. Mm -hmm. And when you adapt to it, you, you start behaving like it. And when you start behaving like it, it becomes imminent with who you are. Come on, girl. So that word believe, it, it sounds simple, but it's loaded. How many people are out there? I know I was one, because, you know, I told you all many a times, and some of you don't know, I had to be dipped a few times before I got this Jesus thing right, <laughs> this gospel thing right. And so I believed, but I was still cutting up. I believed, but I was still lying. 
I believed, and I still had boyfriends I was sleeping with and wasn't married to. But I believed, but I believed as much as I knew. Yeah. And because it wasn't reiterated to me, it wasn't taught, that belief was very sufficient. You know, there's this thing called mental ascension. And people confuse mental ascension with faith. See, faith is action. Mental is simple thought. Plenty of people, the devil can quote scripture backwards and forwards. That's mental ascension. And that's what happened in the garden when we fell. Mental ascension overtook faith. Because faith dictates. Faith tells us when we believe something, we lay hold to it. We act on it. We behave in that way. So let me not spend too much time there. So he says, simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this dude was like, oh, that's it. All right, let's get the whole crew up on this. Come over to the house. I'm going to cook you some dinner. I'm going to lay it out, lay out a spread, and you tell us what this is. And I believe in, in the next set of scriptures that Paul and Silas took time to walk them through the scripture, lest their whole family wouldn't have come in. And I prophesy that to you right now. Those of you who are believing for a spouse, believing for a parent, believing for your child, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and let your light so shine. And as you do that, he said, I will draw all men. You don't need to preach to them. You don't need to remind them of their sin. You don't need to go backwards to go forwards. Come on. The power of God is so great that through the light that's in you, and it doesn't, yeah, he just needs a little bit of light because he'll add the rest. That's right. That's right. So good. Your love will profoundly convince them of whose Savior, of whose Lord. And then it goes on to say, you know, I I put this in my notes and I think this is very important. You know, the guard who imprisoned Paul and Silas was perhaps there. He perhaps persecuted uh, new believers. We know that he was negligent on his job. He was asleep when he was supposed to be guarding. (laughs) Of course, now we know he was a heathen. He had no hope or no faith because when he found out he was caught in his, uh, negligent on the act, he ready to, to commit suicide. But, you know, Paul's response didn't include any of that, didn't even address any of that. And so not only does the guard get saved, but his whole household gets saved. And Paul tells, lets him know that this is a package deal. This is a package deal for the entire house. And not only do they get saved, but then they get baptized. What? The dude that was just responsible for keeping them in prison is now openly declaring that those very prisoners are the ones that he's aligning himself with. The same guy that just almost committed suicide because these people were about, he thought they had escaped. And so now, you know, a lot of times when people get to this place of remorse or get to this place of, 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 of having, of, of get, needing something beyond themselves, a lot of times people are more apologetic than they are repentive. I know, but I remember... They're that, more sorry that they got caught than really a change of heart. Right. And I, I remember when I was in, at Rhema, you know, Dad Hagen would talk about, you know, true repentance versus apologi- being apologetic. And, you know, and he, we, they would be, it would be called emotional salvation. There's no such thing as emotional salvation, but a lot of times people make decisions sincere in the moment, but not committed and converted for the lifetime. 
And, and then we confuse when we see them acting ugly and acting a certain way. We confuse that and we say, how can a Christian act that way? When in reality, they never really became a Christian. When we're going to show you that very clearly in the word today. And this is not judgment. No, not at all. As much as it's just declaring fact the and truth. truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, you know, Jesus didn't just die for those that he, you know, there's no predestination. At the end of the day, Jesus died for everybody. He says the Father's will that all men should be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. There was no pre-selection of people to be saved. There's a lot of doctrine out there about that, but the reality is Jesus died for all. Now, whether all receive it or not, that's a different story. That's a different message. But he died for everyone. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there walking with blinders on, not realizing that somebody already gave them a pass. Somebody already gave them favor. Somebody already blessed them. Somebody already healed them. Somebody already gave them peace. Somebody already provided for them. And that's why we're called light, because when we shine, they get to see. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, it says, My little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He's a propitiation. He is the down, he is a payment. He is the replacement. He is the whiteout. He is the delete key. He is the eraser. He is the sin sanitizer. He is the Lysol that we need right now in everyday living. He is the propitiation, the, pl- the payment for our sins. So we don't have to live in this sin consciousness when we truly receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And then, you know, we go on to say, it talks about that propitiation, um, meaning that when we talk about he took the place. Now, I spent some time, I was 32 hours, but I was in jail. And when I was in jail, I was very convinced that I wasn't wrong. And I wasn't, but I could have handled some things a different way. And so when, you know, they told me, if you go through this process, Things are turning out the way they should. And so I went through the process, but I was convinced. I knew I was not wrong, okay? And so at the end of the process, they expunged my record. Now, expunged means simply to erase it. But see, Jesus not only expunged your record, he also acquitted you. So he, all, so he said, you are, because acquittal means you are declared innocent. So he declared, he not only cleaned your record, but he also declared you innocent. Yeah. See, in my situation, they didn't say I was innocent. They just cleaned my record. Because I, I, I did fight the, the man. But, um, but in Jesus' case, he acquitted you and expunged you. So good. First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 in the New King James. And this here is so good, and I want you to get it. I'm not going to spend a whole time preaching over it because the word declares it all by itself. It says, behold. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that he should be, we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. When you're a Christian, you are different. You are set apart. You are sanctified. You are holy. I don't care what you think about yourself. Jesus did it so that you could be. Beloved. Now, we are children of God, and it has not been uh, revealed, yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that we, when we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're talking about eternal life. Mm -hmm. 
and everyone who has this hope in him, listen, purifies himself just as he is pure. If you have the hope of heaven, if you have the hope of salvation, if you have the hope of eternity, your lifestyle then becomes an effort to purify yourself. We had questions last week about, does this give license to sin? Does this mean that I can sin? No, that's not real Christianity. Listen, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick it up in John chapter. So let's insert this right here. So sanctification is what he does. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Purification is what he does. He made us holy. He, di he did. Sanctification is what we do. Exactly. We continually set ourselves apart, apart. as we look to that hope, at that blessed hope of his return. Right. So the more we're focused on his return, the more that should set us apart from this world. Right. And what comes with that package deal now is the promises, yeah. is the blessing. Right? So 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, I'm reading from the message now. I started in a new King James, but the message makes it so plain. You know, I call that the ghetto version. <laughs> it says, all who indulge in a sinful life are dangerously lawless. For sin is a major disruption of God's order. Aha! Sin is a major disruption of God's order. The blessing is still present, but you can't receive it because you're very sin conscious. Oftentimes. It says here, Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There is no sin in him. And sin is not a part of his program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. No one. No one. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. They've got him all backwards. Yes, God knows our heart when we decide to sin. It's just that what we have to realize is that our heart is just not towards him. That's a harsh statement, but it's true. If you know, if you're going out of your way, I'm guilty too, going out of my way to hide something that I have done or I'm about to do, I know I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm so weak, because he said he's given me all power to overcome that sin. It's simply because I wanted to. Yeah, let's, let's add this too, though. I like what the Message Bible says. But, but I really want to be so clear with this uh, that it leaves no room for confusion. That verse, I want to read it out of the New King James Version. He literally says here, Beloved, now we are children of God, verse 2, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed at his return, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now watch this. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Now if you look at what's going on around our world right now, defunct the police, defund the police, all of that is about lawlessness. No one wants to follow rules today. No one wants any authority over them. The world today wants to do what it wants to do, however it wants to do it. So it goes on to say here, that's so important to understand that the person that practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin, watch this, is lawlessness. 
And you know that he was manifested to take away sins, remove them. And in him, there is no sin. In him. Whoever abides in him, let's be real clear, does not practice sin. Amen. Mm. I said, whoever lives in, settles down in, takes up residence in him, cannot practice sin. That's right. That's so then right. the person that's practicing sin is not in him. And I don't want to play with that because the Scripture doesn't play with that. Okay? The, the Scripture is real clear here. The one that practices sin is not in him. He who practices, watch this now, verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Mm-hmm. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. But he who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil, which is sin. Whoever has been born of God, listen, folks, does not sin does not practice sin. Hello? A true born-again believer is not out practicing sin. If they're out practicing sin, they're probably not a born-again believer. It's impossible to do both of those, be born again and practice sin. I'm either one or the other, and the Scripture bears that out. Watch what it says here. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. Why? For his seed, the seed of the Word of God remains in him, and he cannot sin. Why? Because he has been born of God. Look at verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. How do we know whether or not a person is saved or not? Watch this. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And nor is he who does not love his brother. So it's real clear. And then I'm going to let you get right back in that pocket. If a person is practicing sin, they are of the devil. I'm not getting one amen in here right now. All I'm getting is stares. But the Bible is real clear. You know, the person that practices sin is of the devil. And how many of you know you can go to church every week and still practice sin? You can go to church every week. You can sing. You can serve. Come on, somebody. You can, you can dance. You can be yep. on the parking lot. You can give. Come on, somebody. And practice sin. And that's where the body of Christ has been confused all of these years because we see people acting like this and we don't call it what it is. But the Bible calls it exactly what it is. If they're practicing sin, they are of the devil. They're practicing righteousness, they are of God. Single people, listen to me. College students, listen to me right now. I don't care if they go to church, give tithes, sing in the choir, watch how they live and watch what they practice. What they consistently do is who they are, period. They consistently practice righteousness, they are of God. If they consistently practice sin, they are of the devil, and the Bible is clear. So we're not giving anyone a license to sin. If you believe you got a license to sin, it's because you're not saved. And we're going to give you an opportunity today to make that right. It is impossible after hearing this truth to go back and live a way that is opposite of the things of God and his seed still be on the inside of you. Now, I'm going to read this again from the message. He, he took over my point, but it was good, and it was very necessary. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's very necessary. The message says it like this, and making it plain and simple. So, my dear children, 
He's identifying who he's talking to. He's not talking to the heathen. Mm. He says, my dear children, even in the new King James, the King James, the passion, whatever, the living, whatever version you want, he says, my dear children, don't let anyone divert you from the truth. Mm -hmm. It's the person who acts right who is right. Just as we see it lived out in our righteous Messiah, we're talking about kingdom people and how to live kingdom ways. Those who make a practice of sin are straight from the devil. Again, he's talking about his children. He's saying, children, you're my, you, you, you're my children, or you believe my, you're my children. You're my children because I've created you. But understand this. He who practices sin, is, is straight from, are, they're straight from the devil. In other words, living in darkness. The pioneer, uh, the pioneer in the practice of sin. The Son of God entered the scene to abolish the devil's ways. People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. Uh, get that. People who are conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. If you say that I am a Christian, you don't make it a practice to sin. Because again, he's talking to my dear children. Right. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. Uh-oh. Well, God's seed being his word, we don't just wake up and, just, and get saved and then all of a sudden there's an immediate deposit of all God's word. Now we're talking about relationship. Yes. Yeah. Now we're talking about time spent. Now we're talking about time, not only his word, because people are quick to say, I pray all the time. But even the scripture talks about how much people pray amiss because the word is not in them. God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. When God's seed is in you, then there's this revelation. And with that revelation comes conviction. And with this conviction comes change. It's not in the nature of God begotten, of the God begotten to practice and parade sin. It's not in their nature. I'm not saying you won't make mistakes. I just said sin is simply missing it. We make mistakes all day and every day. But when we decide to dwell in it and to live in it and to practice it, that's a different story. He says, it's not in the nature of God begotten, of the God begotten to practice and parade sin. Here's how you can tell the difference between God's children and the devil's children. No one who, the one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love his brother or his sister. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. So he's not, so practicing righteous ways means loving your brother and your sister. Yeah. It is a simple test. So good. Now, we're not even going to get to point number two. We're just going to close with 1 John 3, verses 18 through 24 today, okay? Let's pick that up in verse 18. It says, my little children. So he reiterates that again. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Let us not love in word or in tongue. So it's interesting here. I looked up that word, word, and it's the Greek word logos, right? How many know a lot of people love the word of God? Notice he said word and tongue. How many, a lot of people confess the word of God? Quote the word of God. Quote the word of God. But how many know that's only half the battle if you just love it to quote it? Look what he said. He said, don't do that. Don't just love in word or in tongue, but he said indeed in truth. Indeed and in truth. So notice he said love indeed in truth. So our actions should line up with what we believe. 
And he said, that's the way to love, right? It's where what we believe and what we do are aligned and they're in agreement. That's called integrity. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to follow somebody, to love somebody, and be with somebody who I know that they're going to do what they said they're going to do. I know they actually live what they told me they believe. That's real easy. So he says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know, that word know there means understand, that we are of the truth. So how do we know we're of the truth? Talk to me. Somebody talk to me. How do we know we're of the truth? By what we do, when what we do and what we believe agrees. That's why it's so important to keep saying this stuff over and over again. How do we know we're of the truth? When what we do and what we believe agree. How do we know we're of the truth? Come on, in this building, help me out. When what we do and what we believe agree. How do we know we're of the truth? What we do and what we believe agree. So when we don't do what we believe, we're not of the truth. Or what we say we believe. Right. I wanted to sink that in, right? By this we know and we understand that we are of the truth. And notice, and it shall assure, convince, or persuade our hearts before him. How many know we'll have confidence towards God when what we do and what we believe agree? We're going to have absolute confidence towards God. Watch this now, verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, finds fault or blame, how many know we know us? And so when our hearts condemn us, it's a lot of times because we know what we're doing and what we believe don't agree. Mm -hmm. So we don't have confidence towards God, right? So he says, but but God has an answer for that before anybody gets in any condemnation. He says, beloved, if our heart, but if our heart condemns us, watch this, God is still greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying here, even if your heart condemns us, he still loves you enough to keep working with you through and past that if you just keep coming to him. Now watch this, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence. Confidence is all outspokenness, frankness, and bluntness towards God. We have such a confidence that He is who He said He is. He has done what He said He would do. We don't mind telling Him or anybody else that comes in our way. Girl, I lost my job this week. I'll probably have five more to choose from by, by this time next week. How many know it's a confidence and an all-outspokenness and bluntness before God when we know what we do and what we believe actually agrees. Now watch this. There are no steps involved here. Beloved, if our heart does not give, uh, to condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Verse 22. No steps involved here. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Mm. Mm. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Mm. Think about this as a natural parent. Now, boy, before you ask me for something, is there any sin in your heart? Do you have any unforgiveness towards your sister? Did you give this week? How, did you cuss any at school this week? Did you get in any fights? Don't ask me for nothing until you get all that straightened out. How I many know oh, they'll never be my children and they'll never come to Christ if that's the way I treated that's right. them? Come on, I need a little help in this building, right? So don't come words. to me until you go through your checklist. 
Did you clean? You, how many of you know? I don't even want a relationship. That, I don't even like saying something like that. Notice, it's just this simple, folks. If what we do and what we believe agrees, we can ask him for whatever we will. And we're going to have confidence that he's already provided that for us. That's right. That's good. Now, I know somebody's going to say something here. Let me keep reading this. <laughs> I, I already know it's coming. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. There it is right there, Pastor. I told you, you got to keep the word of God before God. You got to do your part. You got to do the word first, and then God will bless you. Mm, Let's keep reading word? here. What is, Let's keep it. what is that word that we've got to keep there? says here, and this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. We're going back up. To and love one another. That's right. Ain't deep at all, is it? It's just that simple. Just to ask him for anything and receive it, all I got to do is believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and make sure I stay in love towards you. Yes. Isn't that good? Yes. And I can ask whatever I will. Yes. Whatever leaves no room for nothing left out. Amen. So whatever I need, I can ask. My heart won't condemn me. I have confidence towards God. I believe I receive it when I pray for it. I know he already provided it for me. Hello, somebody. Because I believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ, and I make sure I see. When you got to understand, God, the, the enemy will send people into your life to get you out of your love walk. Yep. Uh -huh. and, and if you don't wake up to that and realize that, 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 man, you can't buy into that. That's right. Your response is your responsibility. That's you right. can't control what other people do. You can only control how you respond exactly. to Exactly, exactly. Don't let people get you out of love. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides. See that? See, what's the commandments? To love him and to love his It's his real another. simple. Believe in the name of the Son of Jesus and love people. Or another way to say that, love God, love people. Right? Now, he who keeps his commandments, watch this, abides, continues to be present in him, and he in him. And by this, we know and understand that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I want to open up here very quickly for a God moment, all right? I don't believe for a moment everyone out there is right with God. I don't believe God would have us minister a message like this and not give people an opportunity to repent. Why would a person need to repent? The word repent needs to, see, if you're a born-again believer, you don't need to ask for forgiveness. God forgave you over 2,000 years ago. A born-again believer needs to repent, and forgiveness is already a part of that package. Right. Is everybody clear on that? And so repent means to think differently. See, some of you all need to say, you know what? I've been all wrong about what I've been living on a consistent basis. We are very attached to our opinions. We are. It literally means to reconsider. It means to turn and go in a different direction. That's right. See, if I'm living with someone that I'm married to, I'm practicing something that God's not pleased what? with. No, if you're married to him, you're supposed I'm to sorry. live with If him. I'm living with someone that I'm well, not married to. Hold up. What are you saying? No, it's not. Why did I say that? You said if you're married to him and you're living with him. I said it wrong. I believe her. So if you're <laughs> living with someone, listen to me very carefully. How do you know now I'm practicing something? You're living with someone and you're not married you're to not him. You're not married to him, right? If I cuss every day, I'm practicing something. 
I get up every single day and I'm drinking, I'm practicing something. I mean, if I'm going to watch pornography every single day, I got accounts all over the place and I'm paying for this, I'm practicing something. I need a little better amen right now. So I believe in this room and watching online right now, some of us need to repent. Repent simply means I'm going to change the way I think about this. Right. I'm going to find out what God's Word says about this, and I'm going to turn on purpose and go in a different direction. And that direction is His way. Right. Let's all stand to our feet in the room right now. Online, I want you to stand to your feet and just lift your hands to the Father right now. And this is a moment. I just want you to take a moment between you and God and go ahead and repent about your life, about what you're doing, about what you're living. You know more about that. You don't need to tell anyone. You don't need to say it out loud. But let's just all take a moment right now. And if you need to, let's go ahead and repent before him right now. Yep. Yep. Father, I, I change the way I think on that. I make a conscious decision today, Father, to, to reconsider the way I've been acting in that area. And, Father, I declare and I commit that I'm going to turn and go in your direction from this day forward. And I ask your Holy Spirit to continue to help me, and I ask that the grace and the power of your word, Father, continue to strengthen me and enable me. And, Father, I know that I'm already forgiven of it, so I thank you for your forgiveness right now. I receive it. And I just thank you that I can trust you to help me continually overcome this area, this area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Why don't somebody just thank God for that right now? If we had more time, that song that you all sang, that last song would fit so perfectly right there. Purify my heart. Come on, let's just worship the Father for a moment. Just take a moment to worship him. Thank him right now for cleaning your hearts and purifying your hands. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for repentance being made available through Christ Jesus. We glorify you and we magnify you today, Father. I receive the light that you ministered into my heart today, and I make a conscious decision to change. Hallelujah. Now, I want to give you a challenge this week, and we're done. I want to give you a challenge. That was a God moment, but now I want to give you a challenge this week. Next week, we're going to talk about grace does not give you a license to sin. The next time we're up, we're going to talk about grace does not give you a license to sin. And we're going to prove that from the Word of God. It's actually the direct opposite. But I want to leave you with a challenge this week. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, the media, department, the media department can get that very quickly in the Passion Translation. I love for that viewing audience to see it on the screen. 1 John chapter 4, 5, verses 4 and 5. Chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. It literally says, you see, every child of God overcomes. Every child of God overcomes in the Passion Translation. That word overcome means to prevail, to subdue, and to conquer. Every person that is born again overcomes the world. Every person that is born again overcomes the world. It's talking about this world system. Folks, COVID is in the world. It's not in Christ. Hello, somebody. That's right. Poverty and lack is in the world. It's not in Christ. 
And if you are in Christ, then you overcome the world. It says, you see, every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating this power? Once again, folks, Passion Translation makes it so simple. I don't know if they were able to put that up or not. It says here literally, who are the world conquerors defeating its power? No steps involved here. Those who believe that Jesus is the, the Son, Son of God. God. It's really that simple, folks. If I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then I am a world conqueror. I am a world overcomer. I am a prevailer. I subdue. I conquer everything that comes in my way. If COVID touches my body, it dies instantly in the name of Jesus. If poverty, lack, sickness, disease, any of that comes anywhere near me, it dies instantly, not because of the steps that I followed or the poem that I said, but simply because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want you to type that in in closing today, and I want you to say that about yourself all week long. Type it in. I am a world overcomer. That's right. I am a, a world, world overcomer. overcomer. Say that about yourself. I Not because of anything overcomer. that you've done, but because of everything that he's done for you. I am a world overcomer. I'm telling somebody watching today, I know it looks tough what you're facing right now, but you've already overcome it in Christ Jesus. You can go ahead and rejoice and celebrate and give God glory because that's what he made you. And if that's what he made you, that's what you are. Yes. Now I want to speak to somebody else out there. You're listening today and you're that person. You've been practicing, right? He made that real clear. Those that practice sin are of the devil. And those that practice righteousness are of God. Some of you all don't need to come back to Christ. You actually need genuine salvation today. You need to sincerely receive Jesus Christ into your heart so that that seed can remain in you and cause you to live upright. If that's you today, I want to pray with and for you. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I, I did. I got away. I started practicing stuff that I know he's not pleased with. Today, I want to rededicate. I want to come back to Christ. I want to change and turn and live a life that I know is pleasing to God. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you today. Even if you want to join Linked Up Church today, we're going to have a way for you to do that. Today is step four. If you want to finish that up, connect to community, you can do that right after these services. Now, I want you to lift one hand towards heaven if you meet that description. You've been practicing sin, which is an indication you're not saved. You want to give your life to Christ. You are saved, but man, you just know what you're doing right now is not pleasing. You want to get that right with him today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just put your hand over your heart right now, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Is the Son of God. I, believe I believe that he died, that he died rose from the grave, from the and he is alive right now. Alive right now. Lord Jesus Jesus. Come into my heart into my and heart. Save, me now. save me now. As a result, As a result what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I, in my I, heart. Am right now, I am right now born again, born again 
born again. And in right standing with God. In right standing. And all my sins all my sin are, forgiven are forgiven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Why don't somebody rejoice with me and just thank God for him? Praise God for you. Hallelujah. Glory to yes. God. We give you the glory and the honor for every heart that you touched on today, Father. Yes. We give all that glory to you. Now, if you're an individual that you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, listen to me very carefully. It would touch the heart of God, and it would touch our heart as well if you would take your next step by filling out that connection card. We want to know that you made that decision today. We would be so honored to follow up with you and help you with what you need to do from this point going forward. We have all information right there on your screen. Please follow that information. We also have a number on your screen that you can call. If you need to talk to a live minister, if you have questions that you need answered, call that number that's on your screen right now. Maybe you're watching on one of the platforms and, and you don't have access to do any of the things that I just described. Just type in, I pray that prayer from my heart, and our ministry team will follow up with you as soon as possible. Just type in, I pray that prayer sincerely from my heart. God bless you. We love you. And welcome to the family of yes, God. So welcome, glad to have welcome, you. Welcome. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right. And you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.